just a moment. We're going to be reading out of the book of Romans chapter 1. So you can go ahead and make your way there. Romans chapter 1. I mentioned to you already that here in about two weeks we'll have our overseers with us. So I, I didn't want to start a new series. I probably will after uh, the 24th. So probably August 31 I'll be starting a new series and we'll be telling you about that. But I thought these next couple of weeks, this one and next week, I could just share on some subjects that I'm just stirred in my heart to share about. There's nothing like a good old topical sermon for a preacher. I mean, topical message is really great every now and then. And uh, I just thought, you know, it's summertime, uh, vacations are happening or they have happened and everybody's transitioning to school and all those kinds of things and... I'm looking at the calendar and the schedule and I'm getting the mentality and the mindset that everything's going to begin to gear up. And to be candid with you, I just need some encouragement because it's like I look at it and I go, oh, sweet Jesus. Anybody ever need encouraged? Am I the only one? All right, there's a few here that need encouraged. You know, there was a time David needed encouragement. In fact, the Bible says that there wasn't anybody to encourage him. And so he had to encourage himself in the Lord. It's almost sad, isn't it? But that's how it works. If you're discouraged, you can encourage yourself in the Lord. And uh, I'm a teacher, I guess, by nature. But I just want to give an exhortation this morning, maybe a little bit different, hopefully encourage you, and uh, just believe that God will build you up today, and you'll be strengthened for the new school year. Everything seems to revolve around the school year, so we'll just believe that God will strengthen you up and get you moving in the right direction. I still have a few vacation stories left to tell. Some of you that have read the blog remember I told you the story about the timeshare salesman. Anybody read the timeshare salesman blog? That did some inner damage in my life, the timeshare salesman. We we got this great deal on this condo when we went to Orlando and as we were checking in, they told us there, checking in that they had this opportunity Don't you love that opportunity? They had this opportunity for us to go through this presentation concerning condos and timeshares. And has there anyone not been through a timeshare presentation? I think they've gotten everyone in the earth. There have been six billion presentations of timeshares. Now, I've been through these before, so I know a little bit of what happens when you go to these things. So I was not interested. And and I just know, no way, I'm on vacation. I don't want to do that. I I don't want anything to do with this timeshare presentation. But, but we were told that it was low pressure, no pressure. It, it was just they wanted to tell us what they were up to. At the very least, we would know who they were and how they did it, and we could recommend other people. And it was just, it's just, it's really not that big of a deal. And plus, they'd give you three days and two nights at one of their other resorts, and they'd give you the $100 Visa card. And that perked my ears up. And so, Trace and I looked at each other, we, 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 you know, we batted it back and forth, we knew the pros and the cons, and so we decided we would do it, fortunate us, we decided we would, we would do it, and I, I, we told them the whole time, from the first person we met to the salesman Steve that we sat down with, we told them up front, I am here for the card, 
I just want to be up front. Don't want you to feel like you got fooled anywhere along the way. I am here for the $100 Visa card. That is all I'm here for. And everybody, you know, they're always smiles and everybody's just fine. Oh, yeah, 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 just listen. And, of course, we go through this presentation. And, and I'll, just, I'll just give you some helpful hints. They get you saying yes for an hour and a half. So when you come down to the end, it's hard to say no. And uh, except if you're, you know, Kevin or Tracy, and then it just seems a little bit easier in that way. But, but in, in, at the beginning of this presentation, you know, he's our buddy, and, and he's, you know, trying to be humorous. And as he's walking with us and talking, and he begins, he begins to tell all of his, his uh, bar stories, and he begins to tell all of his casino stories. Because, you know, a lot of these resorts are located where there's bars and casinos. I mean, that's not any news flash, and so he's telling all these stories, this big old grin on his face, telling this story about he goes and does this and that, and boy, he's a man of the world, and then he looks at us and goes, what do you do? <laughs> this is when you wish you had the Kodak camera. I'm a pastor, and it was like, whoop, there goes all the bar jokes he was going to use all through the presentation, all that went out the window. So we went, we sat down at the table, and he begins to interact with us, and uh, he begins to uh, try to find a point of connection. You know, it's hard to connect. He never found it, I'll put that to you. He never really found that point of connection. But he's trying to find this point of connection. I can tell he's struggling. And, and so he instantly says, well, what religion are you? Now, I know what they mean by that. I didn't give him a discourse on the difference between religion and relationship. I just wanted my $100 Visa card. That's where I was. <laughs> I don't win souls on vacation. I just want you to know. No, I, I'm just joking. That's just a joke. That is just, I know I offended someone. That's just a joke. Just a joke. So, so I, you know, I didn't know what to say. I mean, you know, I, I automatically know he's, he's not going to connect. He's disconnected. He has no conception of of anything probably about Christianity as a whole and the best thing I could come up with at the moment was I just said well you know we're one of those interdenominational churches and he looked at me like I was a Martian you know he kind of had like like what's that he was like he was confused and I could tell he was confused and so the next thing I said was well maybe it'd be better if I told you we were we were uh you know we were more like a Pentecostal church and then he got this stranger look on his face. And then, thinking he'd be funny, looks at me and says, Oh, you're all the ones that handle the snakes, aren't you? I guarantee you there wasn't no sale then. And, and you know, we went through the rest of it, and, and, and I could tell you funny stuff. We didn't get the timeshare. I got the $100 card. I was happy when it was all said and done. But I walked away from that, and I was just a tad, I don't know if it was offended or irritated. I'm not exactly sure what the emotion was. But that thing about the snakes just kept spinning in my mind. And, you know, isn't it true that whenever you're in a moment like that, if somebody says something incredibly stupid to you, and, and if you aren't of the nature to be mean, that a lot of times you just kind of go, <laughs> and you smile, and you take it, but then later you think of all the witty things. That you wish you could have said at that moment. I started thinking of all the witty things 
that I really wanted to say, you know, when he said the snake comment, I wanted to say, yeah, yeah, and, and I brought a few with me when I do devotions. Would you like to see them? <laughs> or or we, we start people out as baby Christians with the garter snakes, and then we move up to the more poisonous variety. <laughs> All the witty things. But I just said, and I said to Trace, I said, you know, what if, what if he sat there and he used some stereotypical comment about somebody's race? How would that go over? What if he would have used some comment about somebody's gender, ladies? Made some, what if he sat there and, and he made some dumb blonde joke? Now, you may have laughed, but I'm just telling you, there are people out there who wouldn't have thought that was funny. I mean, what about the job you do or something else? What if he made some comment about that? I, it just wouldn't fly in the minds of most people. But we all know, we all know that when you're a Christian, it's always open season. So you can, you can say anything you want. And if you're a spirit-filled believer, yes, if you're Pentecostal or you're full gospel or you're charismatic or whatever label you would want to use, well, you just better get ready and buckle up. You're going to be in for even more strange looks funny faces, and stupid comments. And so this morning, I just wanted to read a couple verses, and then my lesson I entitled this morning is this. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. Romans 1.16, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, I agree with Paul. I am not ashamed. I want everyone to say this morning these words after me. Say, I am not not ashamed ashamed of the gospel. One more time. I am not ashamed of the gospel of the gospel we've got to embrace that I'm not ashamed of who I am and what I believe and who I have become in Jesus Christ and I really hope that's true of you despite the fact I just led you in that declaration it's still true in your spirit you know the world may not understand you and me the religion of our age may not embrace us There's a great segment of the church that may not appreciate me either, but I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed that I believe the scripture cover to cover. I'm not ashamed to be able to say, yes, I am spirit-filled. I'll even go so far to say I speak in tongues. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed that God's given me authority to chase the enemy. I'm not ashamed that we preach the cross. I'm not ashamed that I'm a believer all out, absolutely crazed disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of that. For many of you, I suspect, on a more regular basis, you face, because of your jobs and your interactions, maybe at school and with people outside of the church, I suspect you face probably even more than I do. Conversations about your faith, probably conversations about your church, People interact with you that are pretty deep into the things of the world. And and so you're on the front lines. Many of you have a far more difficult week at times than I do. 
Because you're out there in the trenches. And you're in the middle of these conversations. And every now and then I'll get a phone call here at the church. And someone will be exploring the possibility of coming to our church. And you always get the question somewhere along the way, what kind of church are you? And you know what? I have really struggled with what to say. Because when it comes to defining or describing who we are and what kind of church we are, I, I, I always, it's not that I mean to stumble, but you know, you don't want to do anything instantly to alienate somebody. You don't instantly want to do something to prejudice what they might think. You want them to come, you want them to hear, you want them to experience. But we all know that just like that first time, uh, uh, you know, you came into a full gospel setting and the feelings that you had, we all know, we all know that certain words and certain labels and certain phrases carry certain prejudices. I mean, there was a day I suspect for everyone in this room, if I were to use the phrase tongues, there was a, there was a picture that came in your mind. We don't want to do something to cause people to stay away and that's admirable, so what we do is we use terms like seeker, or we use terms like emerging. I, 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 I'm just catching up. There's a new term called emerging, the emerging church. We use terms like interdenominational or non-denominational, and, and we try to find some label that does not have a stigma. We try to find some phrase that carries no baggage. But truth is that through all of this, even in its well-intentionedness, we've been made at times to feel ashamed of who we are and what we're about. I just think there's an esteem issue sometimes in believers and especially those who are spirit-filled believers. And I just think it's time we just decided we're just going to quit being ashamed. Let's just, let's just get rid of it and be happy and fulfilled in who we are. See, Paul was writing, listen to me now, he was writing to the church at Rome. Christians at Rome. Now get this, Nero's in charge, and you may not have even studied European history, and you may not have gone to a church history class, but the word Nero, almost everyone knows, wasn't good. He's the guy that fiddled while the city burned. Most people don't understand that there was already a prejudice and a bias against the cult called Christianity. It was seen as a cult in those days, and they were blamed for everything. Christians were blamed for everything. The reason they were so easily persecuted and the reason uh, the, the overall populace didn't come and stop the persecutions of the first 200 years was because it was so stealthily blamed on them. Everything was blamed on them. They were, they were weird and they were different and, 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 and everything that went wrong in the city or in the economy or anything else was blamed on them. And Paul writes to these persecuted people, and basically what he says is, listen, folks, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. It was 260 years from the moment he penned these words that Constantine would finally come to the throne and issue the Edict of Toleration, which finally caused persecuted Christianity to become this, this accepted religion in the Roman Empire. And then Christianity gets real popular. But you've got to understand that in the midst of incredible challenges, in the midst of incredible persecutions and trials and troubles, and we're not talking about you went to school, young people, and somebody makes fun of you because you're wearing your Jesus t-shirt. We're talking about you're going to the Colosseum and animals are ripping you apart. We're not talking about the persecution you and I think we experience in America when someone snickers at us. Because we're just walking out our faith. We're talking about hardcore persecution. Paul looks at them and says, do not be ashamed. 
Don't be ashamed. And how much more if, if they were exhorted to not be ashamed in a culture like that. And can I just give you my perspective? I don't think our culture is going to get much better. You, you, you better get ready right now. If you can't walk unashamed today, a decade from now, it isn't going to get any easier. It is time we were unashamed. Paul says, be unashamed. Unashamed of all of the gospel. Now, what was the unashamed of? I was just reading through these verses, and I just want to mention five quick things that he says he was unashamed of. I want you to be unashamed of this as well. Can I just share this with you? If I know some of you right now, you're all out believers, and you want to walk upright and, and absolutely uh, consecrated before the Lord, and I just want to encourage you. I want you to be encouraged in, in your standard. I want you to be encouraged in your walk. I want you to be encouraged in all that you've embraced and all that you believe. I don't want you to be ashamed anymore of the gospel. This is what he says he's unashamed of. Number one, he says he's unashamed of, actually, he calls it the gospel of Christ. Now, most folks know the word gospel means good news. Y'all know that, right? Gospel means good news. But I ran down its etymology just this week, and it's amazing how I'll learn new things all the time. And you can actually follow, follow the history of the word, gospel to good news, to where it actually is derived from the concept of reward. Reward. Everyone say reward. 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 Isn't that, is that not fascinating? I'm not ashamed. Paul says, I am not ashamed that there is a reward. I am not ashamed that there is a blessing. I am not ashamed that there is an inheritance associated with serving my God. I understand that people preach silly prosperity things. I understand that there are folks that you'll run into that will merchandise the anointing. And they will teach you things that even I will scratch my head and walk away from and go, where did they pull that out of? But do you understand that we have got to get to the place where even if you have a few people who abuse a truth, we can't let the truth go just because a few abuse it. I believe there's a reward for serving the Lord. I believe there, there is in Him a, a, a prospering. There is in Him a blessing. I'm not ashamed of that. Do you understand why the gospel is good news to the poor? It's because it's a precept that can get them out of their poverty and into functional living. I've had people look at me at times, even as I've taught on this area, and they said, oh, oh you're one of those prosperity preachers. In that, you're, in, and you know the look on their face. You're one of those. You're one of those prosperity preachers. And you know what? Here's what I'm going to do from now on. Yep. Because I don't want people in poverty. Do you? I mean, if you have a choice between prospering and being impoverished, which one would you choose? No, I don't want you to be impoverished. I want you to understand how God blesses you. I want you to understand how God can release a reward. The world critiques us when we preach prosperity because they want to keep money out of our hands so we can't influence anything. So they look at us and then they critique us. Well, they're spending all this money on this stuff and they ought to be doing this and this. They're just wanting to keep us impoverished. Because you can get the gold out of their hands, you can quit them from being influential. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed that there's a blessing of the Lord. I'm not ashamed that the Word says that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He rewards temporally, He rewards eternally. I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed that He caused me to be the head and not the tail. Above and not below. I'm not ashamed that He set me above the nations 
I'm not ashamed that the blessing, the word says, is upon me and overtaking me. I'm not ashamed that wherever I go or wherever I come to, the blessing follows me. I am not ashamed if the enemy comes against me one way, he will flee in seven. Wherever my hand goes, the word says, there the blessing arrives. I've had people through the years say to me, he talks too much about money. I talk less about money than Jesus talked about it. So obviously, if you've got a problem with me, you'll have a bigger problem with the Lord. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the precepts that will get you out of your selfishness. I am not ashamed of the precepts that will get you out of your debt, out of your lack, out of your poverty. So if you don't like the few times that we speak about it, I just ask one favor. Keep it to yourself because I don't want you impoverishing your neighbor. Let me help them. You keep your lack. Let me help them. I'm not ashamed of that. Quit being ashamed of it. Quit being ashamed when they say, you teach that prosperity stuff. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Absolutely we do. No one maybe not be like him or him, but we absolutely, we are not ashamed of the fact that God rewards. And our life ought to demonstrate it. Number two, he says that he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the power of God. You know the word power, if you throw it up on the screen, it actually means energy. Great force. There's actually three different words in the original language for power. This one means great force, energy, great ability. It overcomes. This power overcomes all resistance. Church in America today, sadly, is ashamed. Well, I'll even take them one second. We're ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Now, we recognize the place of the Holy Spirit as long as he fits our style and as long as he fits our taste. As long as he can fit into my church growth plan, I'll honor the Holy Spirit. But when was the last time on TV, or when was the last time in any church, you heard a message on the baptism with the Holy Spirit? You know how many churches avoid Acts chapter 2? A lot. But I'm not ashamed of the fact that the church was birthed with a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if the early church needed to get started this baptism with the Spirit, how much more do we need that same baptism? I mean, people come to church with all kinds of issues. I mean, I know they need teaching, and, and I teach here a lot. And I know they need all sorts of encouragement and counsel and support. I know all those things are needful in people's lives. But I'm here to tell you, unless you get the power of God moving in your life, all, that's, all you are is you become a smarter, dysfunctional person. Or a religious, dysfunctional person. People come, and we've mentioned it, say, you aren't one of those, you don't, you don't speak in tongues over there, do you? And they'll give you the face again. And you know what we do? This is what we do. We hem, we haw, because we want them to receive us. Because we know, do we not know? Come on, let's just say, it's, it's the word. Tongues is the word. Oh, there are churches that believe that stuff, but they'll never say it on a Sunday morning because they know the baggage that comes with the word. That's the word. And so we try to figure out how we're going to do and what and interact and finesse and, and, and we're ashamed. You know what? When someone says that to us, all we need to do is just say this. If they say, are you one of those tongue-speaking kind of people? You just have to do this. You just have to say, yep. Shabba dabba hallelujah. And then see the face you get. Come on. Sure we are. Sure we are, because the Bible says that through the Spirit of God, I can access God's resource quickly. I can cut through my mind. 
And by the way, every now and then we'll fall out in the spirit. We'll say amen in the sanctuary. I got people that'll raise their hands when they worship. A few of us will bounce in our step. Yeah, we do it all. We are not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. Not ashamed of the gospel. The same person who makes you feel ashamed that you pray in the spirit is the same guy that'll drop God's name in vain in a heartbeat. And he doesn't give a rip what you think. He'll blaspheme your God to your face and just smile at you. And we look and go, what am I going to do? I don't want to say that. Just go shabadabada. Why not? If they're going to be that forceful in their blasphemy, why shouldn't we be in our righteousness? Come on, we're living in an age. This is the greatest age, I think, to live in because we live in such a crazy age with such incredibly stupid things going on that you can go out there and be a believer and I don't think people think you to be that strange anymore. I don't. I mean, we'll watch Chris Angel, Mind Freak, and all the things he does. and We'll watch musicians and we'll watch 1-900-psychics and... We'll do all these things, and the world doesn't blink an eye, but somehow we think that they're going to get offended because somehow or another we're going to alienate them because we say the word tongues. We'll let them. Because I'll guarantee you the first time they're in a hospital and a doctor gives them a bad report and says that they've got an incurable disease, the first people they call are the ones that shabba do. I am not ashamed. You can tell there's not much precision in this message this morning. I'm just sharing. I'm not ashamed, number three, of the extent of salvation. He says here that he's not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone. Salvation, the word soteria, is more than just you get a heavenly home. I hope you know that salvation is more than you just get to go to heaven when you die. Salvation includes deliverance. I mean, I'm glad I'm going to miss hell for eternity, but if I have my druthers, I don't want to live in hell today. So salvation includes deliverance and wholeness and prosperity and really general well-being, both temporally and eternally. That's what the word means. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed we do deliverance. Absolutely. I've had people look at me and say, you, th- you really think people have devils? Sure I do. I've seen scores and hundreds of people that have issues like that. Do you really believe they can get deliverance? I absolutely believe it, and you probably need some too. We talk transparently about the issues of life because we think freedom can be the real deal. We want people to be healed and whole and emotionally stable. And you can spend thousands of dollars going to see the psychologist. And you know what? People do, and they're no better. I mean, my wife worked for six psychologists while I was going through seminary. And I will assure you, they were family counselors, and all of their families were dysfunctional. And I don't mean to, to in any way, shape, or form offend anyone, but I'm simply saying... That, that psychology may be able to help you unveil a problem, but only Jesus can get you delivered from it. You just knowing about it doesn't help you. Getting free from it is absolutely what you've got to have. So we do that here. That's why we have altar calls. I'm not ashamed of altar calls. I know places we just don't do that anymore. We just don't do altar calls anymore. We just have them feel good in their seats and raise their hand and write out a card and... 
You know what? You know what? We're not ashamed here. I might as well grow up a people not ashamed. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Basically, he was saying, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed that we take just a few more minutes here than normal church to do God's business. Don't be ashamed of that. There are people that have been ashamed through the years because you take a little too long at times, Pastor. Well, you know what? I'm not ashamed of the fact that I want folks free and helped and whole and saved, thank you. I mean, when a ball game goes overtime, I mean, we think we're getting our money's worth. Yes, overtime. Well, I just want you to feel like you're getting your money's worth if we go overtime. Amen. But no, not church. No, church. And you'll go home and be in an overtime moment with Sunday football, and you'll go, whoa, overtime. We got we to quit being ashamed, being ashamed of the gospel. Number four. The exclusivity of Christ. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to save everyone who believes. He says, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Paul wrote the good news for the Jews, the Greeks, the Romans. In fact, many people don't know this, but do you know why Rome had such a difficult time with Christianity? Many people think the reason Rome had a tough time with Christianity is because that there, it was an atheistic or a secular society, but that is not true. Rome had hundreds of gods. The Caesar was considered to be God. They would have gladly embraced Christianity if Christianity had been another one of the hundred of gods they had that they could put on the shelf and go through and worship and pay homage to every day. The problem that the Romans had with Christianity was not that we worshipped a God, their problem was that we said it was the only God. That's when Rome had a problem. Because they considered their Caesar to be God, and when you said there is no God besides our Lord, then you can see where there was probably a problem going to arise. I am not ashamed to tell you again that Jesus Christ is not one of many roads. Jesus Christ is not one of many paths. We do not live under the umbrella that some people have their way of getting there and other people have their way of getting there and this is how we get there. That's a lie. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. The word says no man gets to the Father except through him. He is the door, not a door. And I'm not ashamed of that. I don't know that I will ever get the chance to be on Larry King Live, but I will assure you of this. If I ever get invited to Larry King, I will not let you down. I won't let God down, which is more important than you. We won't stumble around trying to figure out the politically correct way with millions watching how it is that you get to heaven. It's pretty simple. Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. That's the way you get there. I am not ashamed. Now hear me. We can love people. I can respect my Muslim neighbors. I can respect my Hindu neighbors. And I have them. I respect them. I'm, I'm glad they're my neighbors. I'm glad they're in America. They have rights of citizenship. You know, that's the wonderful thing about America. You have the right to be wrong in America. 
You have the right to be dumb and stupid in America. And nobody will stop you. That's the rights of America. You can worship as you please. That's the first um, uh, amendment. Basically, it's everyone can worship as they, as they please. But hear me now. Just because you can worship as you please doesn't mean that everything's right. I'm not going by the American Constitution. I'm going by God's Constitution. He says that his son, Jesus, is the way. He's the only way. It's time we quit being ashamed about these things. You can smile and be a a, a winsome person and look at folks and go, I love you. You're wrong, but I love you. We can do a barbecue together, but you're wrong. Jesus, Jesus is really the way. And we ought not be ashamed of it. And then number five, what was Paul not ashamed of? He said he's not ashamed of the revelation of righteousness. He says, for in all of this is the righteousness of God, which is revealed from faith to faith. And I put down here, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed that in all of this, that righteousness is revealed in my life. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed that that God has unveiled certain convictions and certain areas of righteousness and certain standards about righteousness. I'm not ashamed. I, I, you, you've, you've traveled with me, most of you, long enough to know. I, I, I understand legalism. Dear God, I grew up in legalism. I get it. I understand it. But, you know, we're calling things legalism these days that the word clearly says are out of bounds. And I'm not ashamed of the fact that God spoke to me and said, I've got better things for you. All things may be legal, but not all things are beneficial for you. I am not ashamed of the fact that I evaluate what I watch. I evaluate the music I listen to and how I choose to look at it. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed that there's a standard or two in my life. You don't have to feel bad. I'm talking to people right now that really are going all out for the Lord. I don't want you to feel bad about your standard anymore. I was at a at a party, this was years ago, it was a, a party for a political purpose. This was years ago. And, and, of course, I'll just say it, it was a Republican party at the time. A lot of them would identify themselves as conservative evangelical Christians. And I heard someone say in the midst of this, this party, because it had cocktails and all the rest, and they were being served, and there was somebody that was being served, and, and, and probably because I was there, but nonetheless... They said, oh, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't drink. And I thought to myself, don't say you're sorry. They ought to be apologizing, they are. People say, oh, I'm a social drinker. Well, I'm sorry. I don't, and I'm glad about it. I'm not ashamed, be glad. If you gather with mom's groups and they're letting their kids watch things you don't let your kid watch, don't let them make you feel bad. Just say, that's who we are, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of my life. Be glad about it. I'm glad. I'm glad I don't wake up hungover, addicted. I'm glad I don't wake up with my life in dysfunctional ways. I'm glad I am I am a happy clam. Don't be ashamed of that. I know people will look at you like you're a Martian. Where what where did you come from? Where did you land? And just say, the kingdom. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed if you're a young person or you're single. Don't be ashamed you're celibate. Don't be ashamed. I know everybody does it. They're going to say, well, you know, everybody's doing it. I can't believe you aren't involved in it. Get a t-shirt. Get a t-shirt. Start a movement. Celibacy is cool. It's cool. 
I mean, really, really, do you want a life that ends up like Brittany or Paris? Really? And yet they're unashamed. They're unashamed of their despicable behavior. They both need a great big spanking from mom and dad. Because it's despicable. I mean, that's not what we're shooting for. Why would you want that? Do you really think they're happy? Come on. We got to get unashamed. Holiness is cool. Purity is cool. Righteousness is righteous. I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Don't you be ashamed of being a Christian. Don't you be ashamed of being a spirit-filled Christian. Don't you be ashamed. Don't you do it. You don't have to. If you've got an esteem problem this morning in your faith, then I want to break that in Jesus' name and tell you you're okay. There's a lot of people that are right on the same page with you. We challenge people. I'm not ashamed. We challenge people to live all out. We challenge people not to find the lowest common denominator, but to aspire to the highest levels of character they can get to. I've come, become convinced nobody will get a conviction in their own personal life unless we preach about it from time to time. The reason people don't have convictions anymore is you can turn on the television set and see nobody's, got, nobody's preaching on a conviction anymore. They just hope they get it by osmosis. Just come see me. I'll, I'll help you get a few convictions. But we don't need to be ashamed. And my point today was simply for those of you that are living it all out, I want you just to be encouraged. Don't you be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to lift up your hands in the house of God. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to say amen. Don't be ashamed to come to the cross. Don't be ashamed that you believe for healing. Don't be ashamed that you pray in the Spirit. Don't be ashamed that you jump up and down as you worship God. All of these things are found in the Bible. Don't you be ashamed of that. Don't you be ashamed that you've decided to live a life that's going to go for everything in the kingdom and that you're not satisfying yourself with any compromises or any of the little foxes that spoil the vines. Don't you be ashamed anymore. Don't be ashamed. Come on, start a movement, the movement of the unashamed. I've been told this was written by a guy by the name of Bob Moorhead. Some have said it came from a young African pastor on the day of his ordination. I want to read this to you. If you'd like a copy of this, you can go to the blog site. And it's on the blog site. In fact, as I'm beginning to read this, I just want, Laura, bring the musicians and everybody. Just start making your way up here, will you please? All the musicians and singers, just start coming. It's all right, just start coming. Don't be ashamed, just come on. You aren't ashamed, are you, Randy? Robert, you're not ashamed, are you, man? No way. Paul, are you ashamed? Oh, no. But you, Denise, not ashamed. Aaron, not ashamed. Not ashamed. Listen to what he wrote. He says, I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, look up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed vision, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudit, or popularity. I don't have to be right. 
First, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I will not hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy. I will not ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I am a disciple of His. I must go till He comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till He stops me. And when He comes for His own, He will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I am unashamed. Unashamed unashamed I want everybody to stand right now will you stand with me Father I pray right now in the name of Jesus Lord that your spirit would move through this place and Lord my first prayer is for those Lord that love you with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all their strength love you with everything they've got I pray for those Lord that go out into a tough old world sometimes and they're living it They're living it and they're living it. And Lord, I want them today to be encouraged. They're doing right. I want them to be encouraged, Lord, not to give up. Not to look at everyone else who uses a label called Christian. But they seem to get to slide by and do all these other kinds of things. And there they are, just pressing and laboring on. Lord, I want them to know right now that they are pleasing in your sight. They're living unashamed lives. Lord, I pray now, and I, I suspect it be so, that there may be some, Lord, that right now, to be honest with you, they've had moments that they've been ashamed. Lord, I ask you right now, do something inside and internally. Lord, I can't, I can't teach them out of that. I, 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 I can't somehow precept them out of that. Lord, you've got to put your fire and your passion in them in order that they would... Spring out of that tepidness. Lord, you're not asking us to be obnoxious. You're not asking us to be just weird for weird's sake. You're just asking us to be credible, unashamed. Lord, we don't have to find moments of confrontation. They come just on their own quite regularly. Help us, Lord, to stand unashamed unashamed of, of, of you, unashamed of your spirit, unashamed of what you can do. Lord, work that in us right now, in Jesus' name. We're going to sing, and as we sing this song, I want you, when we, when we get to the point, and Laura and this, this, this music team will sing, I'm not ashamed. I want you to, if, if, if you need some more passion, you, got, you need to lift your hands in the air. And just, just don't care what anybody else may think, and just say, I'm unashamed. I'm unashamed. Guys, start playing and start doing that just from the very beginning. Just from the very beginning. I'm going to hear your voice now.
If you want to fill in, if you want to come and fill in the altars and worship. I'm gonna worship you 
worship you. I'm gonna worship you forever. I'm not ashamed. We're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed. Let your passion come back again. Come on, let your passion come back again. Come on, let your passion arise again. Come on, you guys, you're going to go back to school. It's got to be different. You got to let your passion come back. Get your passion back. Come on, in the congregation, get your passion back. I can hear passion. No, we're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed of you. Lord, we're, we're not, not ashamed of you. Oh, we're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed of you. One more, we're not ashamed. begin right now just to sing and make melody in your heart oh yeah mm-hmm. yay. yay get your passion oh come on Begin to pray and sing. Here we go, I'm not ashamed. We're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed. Let them sing. Come on, sing that. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not. One more time. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ashamed. Let's do this together. We're. Oh, we're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, let power begin to follow passion. Let purity be established in the passion. Lord, let renewed purpose arise in the passion. Let it be released in this place again. everyone to say with me one more time say I am not ashamed of the gospel one more time I am not ashamed of the gospel Lord you're not looking for thousands you're looking for the passionate unashamed few to change a world it can be done it can be done. Lord, let it begin. Let it be renewed here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the passion that I sense in this place. Thank you, Lord. May it always remain. Lord, thank you for the encouragement that you released into some people's lives again. Just to stay the course. Hang in there. You're doing all right. Lord, thank you this morning for calling those whose flame has grown dim to get re reignited. And it's happening. It's happening. Lord, let it be established now in us. We don't want it to go away. We don't want, we don't want a moment of an experience and, and, and then lose it a few hours from now, but Lord, we want, we want something that will remain. May it remain. May it be sealed in all of our hearts. We give you thanks in Jesus' name and all the people said, amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Alright guys, before you go and you're released this morning, be sure you hug three, four necks. Introduce yourself to folks you may not know. And uh, I hope I see you in the middle of the week. we got a lot of folks coming out on Wednesday night, 6.30. I want to see everyone here. Alright, God bless you. You are released. Have